everyone. This is Chris and Sandy Benton from the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And as I say in every show, we have a great show for you today because you know what? Every artist is important. Every artist is great that we bring on. And today we got Sherry Rowe, and we did a little small talk with her a little before the show. We think you're going to really enjoy her. So, Sherry, are you here? I am here. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, we're oh, glad thank to have you, you for on. being on the show today. Oh. <clears throat> So how, how are you hanging in there with all this um, corona mess going on right now? I'm telling you, you know, it, I think some of the best conversations I've had with my friends that I haven't been able to see and, you know, and people going through things is mm-hmm. I think we're, because we, you know, we're all in this together. That's what, you know, and it is true, but each of us has such an individual experience and in their own reality. So whether, you know, it's financial or, you know, worried about getting sick or, you know, you have your good mm-hmm. days when mm-hmm. you're just glad that you get to be home with everybody. And I think we're all, we're all riding this roller coaster. And so I've been talking with my friends and I said, you know, we just have to give each other grace because I could be having a horrible experience with it one day and you're doing okay mm-hmm. and you're there for me. But like at any moment, we're all kind of on this twisting, turning road and uh, we've never experienced this before. So just trying to, you know, be there and be up when others are down, and when I'm down, you know, reach out to my friends, and uh, I think that's the that's mm-hmm. the best way that I've found to get through this. And none of us yeah, know yeah. what the future holds right now because, you know, especially in music. I mean, they're talking there. It could be a year or two before concerts even happen. I know, I know. The it's looking ahead and imagining what it will be or won't be like anymore. And then, you know, as they say, the new normal, it's, it can, it can look very bleak, but, um, you know, I, my, my friend told me a couple of days ago, you know, cause I said, I don't even know, you know, you work so hard and, you know, I have all this new music that I, that I recorded at the uh, end of last year. And it kind of is just stuck in Nashville sort of in hostage because it wasn't done being mixed. And so I have all this oh, well. music mm-hmm. that's just kind of held there, and they, they, you know, they can't go mm-hmm. back to the studio to finish. And um, oh, wow. I was just feeling really discouraged. And she said, you know, just remember, people are always going to need music. People are always, and so whatever yeah, that looks true. like, there yeah. will be a place for it because it's such an important uh, therapy, even you know, for all of us. So I'm holding on to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you know, now, granted, we didn't realize it at the time. Like, um, you know, last year we. We 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 end up relaunching New Country Buzz back in 2018. We originally launched it in 2014, end up shutting it down, and we just felt like, you know, music's in us. We just got to do it, and we so we relaunched. Mm-hmm. So 2019 was kind of like a rebuilding phase of, of New Country Buzz. But at the end of last year, I remember telling Cindy, you know, it's time to take it next level, launch, launch a show. We had no idea that when we set the date to launch January 3rd, because we were like, you know, 2020 is going to be our year. It's going to be our show year. Yeah. It's going to be the building the foundation of this show. Mm-hmm. We had no mm-hmm. idea how much more powerful this show was going to be because of what's what's happening. Because again, we're able to still do this, and a lot of people can't. Right. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm telling you, you know, for the first part of this uh, quarantine experience, I actually uh, was very sick. And I don't know, it was too early. There wasn't any testing available to figure out if I had COVID or not, but the doctor suspected mm-hmm. it. But I was sick for the first four or five weeks of the quarantine and I couldn't sing. I mean, I had no voice and I just, 
I was definitely um, experiencing, you know, a lot of, you know, I felt like I couldn't contribute. And we had all these different people online doing shows mm-hmm. and, you know, podcasts like yours, everybody contributing online. And I mm-hmm. really understood, I understand more than ever the value of being, you know, a fan and actually logging yeah. on and finding hope and mm-hmm. comfort by these conversations mm-hmm. and this music. So, uh, yeah, I think the timing for you guys is, is amazing because it's, uh, it's very much needed right now. And, you know, you're talking about that you about the you were that sick. We were that sick in January. I mean, it was, whatever we – I remember we telling were. Sandy in January that I was like, I don't know what kind of flu we have, but, my God, it's mm. bad. It's really bad. It was, it was like it about was. three weeks. Three weeks I had a sore throat for like ten days. Kept coming oh. and going. Mm-hmm. Um, my fever kept spiking to 103. Mm-hmm. Sandy even Jeez. got like an eye infection and stuff. I mean, it was just whatever I it was, it was bad. So, and laryngitis, so we think, it was bad. That so sounds a lot like what I had experienced. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't mm-hmm. doubt it. I wouldn't be surprised. People have asked me, well, do you think you had it? I'm like, well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I did. If I didn't, you know, that, of course, there's so many different things that were going around and allergy season and all that, but oh, yeah. surprise. and I'm kind of hoping that I have, that we all have it under our belt and we have the antibody now. We're like 95% sure that we had it. We, we, uh-huh. we can't be 100% yeah. sure because we don't know, but we're almost sure we had it. Right. But, if, yeah. but either way, we hope we had it because that we, right. we're, we're right. good to go. I know. I hope that's part of the past now. It's already over. So as we get start, as we really dig deep in now, um, tell us, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and a brief overview of you. Okay. Well, I um, I grew up in Arizona. I've been here uh, since I was two, so Arizona has been my home, and I come from a really big crazy awesome family so uh, like our family (laughs) get-togethers are like 25 people and um, some of us are musicians and if we're not musicians you know we've got photographers and filmmakers and artists and writers and everybody's very creative so we were always having like family talent shows and um, I just you know very close family and Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time outdoors and I think that you know I always bring that up because it even to this day, continues to be a big influence in my songwriting. Um, love, you know, camping, horseback riding, all that, you know, I love the West. I, I'm always bragging about my home state everywhere we, you know, are touring. I love it here. And camping and, you know, going for drives and here, my dad always played like a really classic country. I mean, like Johnny Cash and Waylon and Patsy yeah. Klein and, I just remember like the windows being down and smelling the alfalfa and the orange blossoms mm-hmm. and just <laughs> love it. So um, to this day, that is a big influence for me. And really, I started singing in church originally with my sister mm-hmm. and my sister-in-law. Oh wow! And then landing in country music was just very natural for me. So I just I feel really blessed that I get to get to do what I love. That is really awesome. So um, I noticed in your little bio that. Talk about you infuse your your love of faith and family into everything you do. Tell us a little bit about that because we're one of the shows that we're hardcore Christians. We believe in faith and nice. all that. You know, nice. I don't have a problem going there because I know some some shows That's won't awesome. go there. We we will. But, well, <laughs> I will take any opportunity <laughs> that you give me in that regard because 
I'm telling you, you know, I just, um, I wasn't raised in the Christian faith, and um, I found the Lord, you know, when I was like 17 or 18, and uh, God has just done such an amazing work in our whole family. And uh, like I said, you know, that I started singing with my sister and sister-in-law, and we, we did a song at church just for fun. You know, we were, I mean, we were the kind of people, we'd, I'd, we'd be riding horses or driving down the road, and like, we were always just trying to find harmonies and like that was just, it was just mm-hmm. something we were always doing. So we did a song at church mm-hmm. and the pastor was like, you know, I think there's something more here than you guys just uh, doing this for fun. And uh, it grew from there to um, a record deal with Atlantic records. And we toured oh, wow. playing contemporary Christian music and uh, playing at women's conferences and uh, festivals and all that, you know, it was, it was an amazing time. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think that was when I really began to understand and appreciate the relationship between uh, a, a musician on stage and the people who are mm-hmm. listening to that, whether it be a mm-hmm. congregation or an audience. I just think that yeah. that's a very powerful yeah. relationship. So mm-hmm. I love, I, I still am able to lead worship at church. My husband plays bass in <laughs> my band, so oh, we wow. get to tour together. So. When we're in town long enough, um, we'll jump in. You know, they'll just say, yeah, we'll work you guys into the rotation <laughs> and we'll be able to lead worship with, at our home church. But when I'm leading people in worship, of course, you know, I'm pointing them, you know, I'm taking the focus completely off of me and pointing them and leading mm-hmm. them in worship. But I also really love entertaining. I mean, that's what I grew up yeah. doing. I love being able yeah. to have a great time and Sing songs just about life and having fun, and so mm-hmm. I've really learned to appreciate both so much. And I find yeah. that even in a in a, at a country festival or wherever I'm playing, even if it has nothing to do with worship or my faith, there are mm-hmm. always opportunities in every conversation and yep. everything we do to shine a light and give hope and remind people that God mm-hmm. loves them. So that's kind of our mission wherever we are. <clears throat> Amen to that because you know I think a lot of yeah. people miss that you know there's a lot of talent in churches and I create you know and, and again you know it's a personal decision but sometimes people will say oh you got to stay in the church you got to sing in church and mm. I'm always like no if they're mm. that good <laughs> they need to be out of the church and and granted it's great right. churches the great and I'm a big believer in church but, but church is a great place to, to launch yourself. But I think that if you've mm-hmm. got that kind of talent, you need to be out in the world because even Jesus he was out in the world. You know, he was hanging yeah. out with people that everybody put down, him down for because he was trying to bring the light to people. And I think Absolutely. that's where sometimes Christians can miss the miss the boat here. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think that um and I think it's a very very wonderful, beautiful example of uh, the acceptance that Christ has and the love that God mm-hmm. has for people when we can just be real and show that we're just, this is just real life and kind of cut past the, um, the man-made religion and really just let mm-hmm. people see the relationship. I think that's, that's probably the most powerful way to represent the gospel. And, and see, I went through 19 years of addiction. In fact, we'll go wait, back to, you know, we met, we married 17 years ago, Sandy and I, and uh, mm-hmm. we, um, when we met, we, when we met, it was taboo to do it online, which we did it back then in 02. We met online because she was in Kentucky, I was mm. in Georgia, 
And so we mm-hmm. met on February 2nd of 02. February mm-hmm. 4th, we talked on the phone for the first time. We just mm-hmm. knew everything clicked. February 18th, we set a wedding date. And March 4th, Aww. we met in person. So, so we were actually yeah. meeting in person to see who we were going to marry. You know, oh, we already so knew sweet. we were married. I love and the it. Day we yeah. set, and, you know, the day we set was October 5th of 2002, uh, which we did mm-hmm. marry. Now, granted, mm-hmm. I was going through addictions and all of that, um, which at that point in my life, I guess it was not – because I was one of them people that even though I went through 19 years of addiction, I was one of them that if life was going good, I drank less. If life wasn't, mm. I was I drank a lot more. So it was really like a roller coaster addiction. It was bad, but it got yeah. bad after six months after we married yeah. because my mom passed away, and that's when I went mm. really downhill fast. I went right back to what I knew best: the addictions well, of, yeah. of dr- drinking and drugging. And Sandy put up with way more than she should have those first five mm. years of our marriage. And now, now, Grant, I never cheated, and I never. Um, mm-hmm. And I never hit her, but I did cross a lot of lines back then. Mm, but mm-hmm. back, I, I remember waking up on December 26, 2007, and I remember feeling horrible because for the first time in my life, I was drunk on a Christmas day. Never, never done yeah. that. And I remember yeah. reaching out to God saying, saying something's got to get. I knew I was, I'm destroying my marriage. I knew that. Um, I can't stop. And I told God, either he takes the addiction away or take me away. It's like, mm. you don't deserve this. And if he didn't take me away and didn't take the addictions away, then I was ready to take my life. I mean, I was at that point. Mm. I, I, and my, my plea was to take the desire away, not necessarily help me quit. It was to take the desire yeah. away. And I remember, yeah. and, I fe- and I felt like he told me, give him 30 days. And, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking, now I'm thinking, okay, I'm going crazy. Why do I feel mm-hmm. he said give me thirty days? Because you know when you know it ain't like an audio voice as people would think. Well, sure. how does God talk to you? I've, I've you know I've had people tell me that you just it's just one of them things. Where, and I was like, yeah, okay, is that God? Yeah, me? I'm really like now trying right. to freak. Right. I'm freaking out, you know. And finally, yeah. I but I wanted to I wanted to believe that. And mm-hmm. I told Sandy, mm-hmm. and she's like, let's do. It. And she like I said, she never nagged me through the the early years and all that. And people always told us. Um, through the years when we tell our story, that she um, allowed me to walk over her. But that's not what she did. She allowed me to experience God's pure love through her. That's beautiful. And, and because of that, I, I was able to be open for when God opened my heart on December 26, mm-hmm. 2007. And you know what? It was about the 28-day mark. That was the last time I really remember ever desiring any type of alcohol or drugs again. And I've been sober now over 12 years. Wow. What a beautiful testimony of for both of you. I mean, of how God worked in that situation. I just, it amazes me how God knows every aspect of who we are and he knows exactly Mm -hmm. what we need to be able to get through. And it is like what you said, you know, is that God, you know, it's that small, still voice of the Holy spirit. And all we need is just a little bit of faith just to believe that that's him and he does amazing things. Well, that's, that mm-hmm. is amazing. What a blessing. That's a beautiful story. Congratulations on, on finding sobriety and clarity. And of course we couldn't do any of those things without the power of God. I, um, I firmly Amen. believe that. Amen. Like, I tried to quit many times on my own and it just yeah. was not working. And, you know, again, and, and you know, it's funny as we do these, um, 
don't know if you call them interviews, conversations, whatever you want to call it on our show, we never know the direction it's going to go. And that's what we love, you know, because every, yeah. every person we talk to is different. So, you know, you just never know. But I love it when we have a chance to tell pieces of our story because, you know, cause I, I want it to be about all of us, about us and you sure. and everything. Because I want to show people that, you know what, that give hope no matter which way it comes. Absolutely. And, you know, I, um, like I said, I found, I found the Lord when I was, right around 17, 18. And um, I know that that sounds like it's a young age, but by that point I had already experienced a lot of life. I was, I ran away several times as a teenager. Oh, wow. Um, I started using uh, drugs and alcohol at a very, very young age. I was in Mm -hmm. a lot of very uh, destructive, dangerous relationships. Um, I really had experienced a lot of darkness already at that point in my life. And I remember being at church, and uh, I found I found that hope in Christ. And I remember a pastor saying, you know, God saw you going one way, and now you're turning around and going another. And that is literally what happened, you know. And I, I met my husband um, at 18, and we got married six months after we met. So very similar to what you guys are talking about. We just knew <laughs> God brought us together. And uh, it's been amazing just to to see, you know, the opportunities in country music and the opportunities to be mm-hmm. able to write with amazing people and release music and, you know, the whole the radio aspect of it and seeing it grow and knowing that it's all in God's hands. And then seeing mm-hmm. the opportunities and starting to understand, see how God is orchestrating everything through that. So I'm at the point now where, I've always said if we're going to have a larger platform, it has to have mm-hmm. a purpose that goes beyond entertainment. Yeah. And now I'm able to work with um, organizations like the Scott Foundation, and they help uh, foster kids who are aging out of the system. And these kids wow. have such stories. And, you know, having gone through what I went through, um, it just really pulls on my heartstrings. And God knew that that was <laughs> going to be the perfect relationship. So now I get to go and shine a light on all the great work they're doing and uh, have do fundraisers for them. And I get to know these kids and I get to hear their stories. And I, I see them come mm-hmm. into the beginning of the program and, you know, they won't even make eye contact and they just look like the weight of the world is on them. And then as they begin to understand their purpose and they are loved on and they find family and community and they start to learn their talents and skills, they mm-hmm. just start to blossom. So, those kinds wow. of things are where I'm like, I loved playing country music and I love <clears throat> playing all the festivals and doing the shows and all of that. But those moments are where I'm like, okay, yeah, God, you had a plan <laughs> in this all along. <laughs> yeah. That's like, you know, it's funny. I always joke with people that Sandy kind of brainwashed me in all this music stuff. Cause at the very beginning at the, um, uh, when we first married, I was one of these hardcore people that was in the, the motivation guru stuff. I was going to be mm-hmm. this motivational speaker one day, and that was my goal. I didn't listen to music. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I didn't like music. I just didn't sure. listen to music because I, I was right. brainwashed into believing that if you owned a business and you're in your car, you be, you're listening to audios. You don't listen to music if you're serious. I was that far oh, deep into all that. I married Sandy. She's heavy in the music. So mm. it was, all she listened to is music. So, you know, we had the – uh, we had to balance this out, and eventually we came to a compromise where she listened to 50% music. I listened to, and, and we, we, and I mean, we listened yeah. to 50% music and 50% audios. 
and that works. Yeah. And nothing against it. I, I still believe in all the audios, but I still, you know, but I'm getting to kind of do a little speaking to this show. I had no idea that 17 years later, we would doing, be doing a show where we interview people, yeah. and I can still tell right? parts of my story. So I'm still kind of doing the speaking thing, and she's and because her passion of country music and music in general, we're yeah. able to combine all that and do a show, and and we still going to have opportunities to do what we feel called because one of our callings is marriage ministry. We both feel that, and oh, we've felt, felt that for years. You know, so yeah. we're in the process of writing a book called Broken Together, where it's about how Aww. two people marry. They're both broken together. And that's really that's everybody awesome. is broken when they marry. And so yeah. we're still doing all the marriage stuff, but I think that the Chris and Sandy show might be helping us at least get the confidence to build all that and to build that foundation so that as we launch into the marriage world and stuff, that now mm-hmm. we have a foundation already built. I love that. I love that. Yeah, you can see you can see God working in every aspect of that. It's awesome. I love it. <clears throat> And it's funny, all it's, and all this is like coming together. And, you know, if you'd have told me 10 years ago that we would go this ra- route to get to that route, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> and, yeah, isn't it, yeah, isn't it the truth? You know, it's, uh, it, it's like the, the, the longer we walk with God and the more we trust those, that still small voice that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. the more we see him work in things and therefore – when we come into a situation that we don't understand or is overwhelming or we're going through a dark mm-hmm. time or we're confused, we can look back and we can say, well, he was there and he was there and he was there and he never changes. Yeah. That's what the word says. So that means he's going to be there right now in the middle of whatever we're facing. So that's the yep. beautiful thing is we learn to trust him with every trial that we go through. Now, I know you've already said a few highlights that you, but I always like to get, go first to some highlights that you've been through where you're like, wow, I got to actually do that. What are some moments where you've said that in the last few years, um, outside of what Mm. you've already said, of course, with with the whole charity stuff, because we know that's a big highlight. We already know that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know, but there definitely are those moments where just as an entertainer, I'm like, yeah, I mean, God has opened some amazing doors with that too. And I think Mm -hmm. probably one of the highlights Gosh, there seems to be more and more these days. I'm very grateful. But opening for Winona Judd, opening for oh, well. Winona was great. Meeting her, talking with her, um, she was just so kind and so sweet and so down to earth. And we were in the Fox Theater, and it was a packed out, packed house. And we did our set beforehand, and her fans love her so much. I'm one of them. You know, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. They put on a great show, but her fans welcomed us with such a warm welcome. And it was a ticketed show with seats. It wasn't, you know, because festivals are great, but festivals Mm -hmm. can often feel like your background music and everybody kind of is walking by, and they'll catch a little bit, but they're not like a captive audience. This was a captive Mm -hmm. audience, and I was able to share a little bit of, (laughs) you know, as a songwriter, you know, how I got to that that point in that song and what the, you know, kind of, it was a more intimate environment. And her fans welcomed us so much and they cheered us on and they encouraged us and she encouraged me so much. So I think that one will always kind of be uh, like photographed in my mind. I can, I can imagine yeah. what that felt like even thinking about it. And then, I mean, sharing the stage with Reba at Celebrity Fight Night. Oh, wow. It was Reba, Barry Manilow, Brian <laughs> McKnight. Um <laughs> 
I mean, I, I wow. was able to debut one of my singles. It was Night Riding, and it was just last year. And uh, I had David Foster's band backing me up, and it was the um, it was the weekend that the song was being released. So singing it live for the first time with literally the top musicians in the world, like the top musicians in the world, and hitting that stage, walking the red carpet with, with Kevin, mm-hmm. my husband, um, and I'm up there and I'm singing this song, and I'm looking down and Quincy Jones is at the table right in front of me, and you know wow. Rita Wilson and Chris Tucker and like all these different <laughs> celebrities and philanthropists and like the top notch, you know. So that that one stands out for sure. And then of course later on that night, I sang at the after party. So Brian McKnight was just sitting at a keyboard and I was singing with Chris Tucker and Michael W. Smith and like all, like all these you know, singing through the restaurant and high five and Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like how did I get there? <laughs> <laughs> it was great though. That that one I remember we woke up the next morning and I was like, Did last night actually happen? So that was great. That's really cool. Now, I always like to flip the script at this point to where we go the other way, because I think when you look at a lot of shows out there and they do the interviews, um, they really focus on all highlights. I like mm-hmm. to go the other way also and focus mm-hmm. on some yeah. of the disappointments, some of the struggles, some of the sacrifices. Yeah. And I'll show you where I want to go with this. Um, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls back in 2014. One of the questions I asked her was, what advice would you give an up-and-coming artist? And she said, coming from someone full-time, this is going to sound funny. She goes, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, then please go do that and just keep music as a hobby. Mm. She goes, once you go full-time, even though it's your passion, it's also your job. Everything yeah. changes. She goes, you could have the worst day ever today, but, you, but if you've got a gig tonight, you've got to be there, and you've got to smile, and you've got to put on a show oh, yeah. like never before. She goes, yeah, when we get on that stage, we do come alive, but but sometimes mm-hmm. we just don't want to do it. So we have no choice yeah. to do it now when you're when you're full time. She goes, even yeah. though me and my daughter are the front runners of the band, she goes, our whole family has to sacrifice everything about oh, yeah. it. We, have to, we go through the struggles, we go through the re- rejection. There's so much that we have to give for this career. She goes, but mm-hmm. if your heart won't allow you to do anything outside of music then go all in because the only way those type of sacrifices and struggles become worth it. What do you think what she said? Absolutely. Let's go there a little bit. Absolutely. 100% agree. I think um, my husband and I have said it many times that we can't imagine doing anything else. And so we've, and you really have to ask yourself that question. Um, mm-hmm. And we do come alive on stage and there are struggles and um, you know, Music doesn't necessarily pay very much in the beginning. And even now, um, you know, we got into business for ourselves outside of music when uh, early on in this, because we knew that in the beginning music wasn't going to pay. And we're very business-minded and entrepreneurial. So we actually own an uh, auto repair, auto uh, body shop, so oh, wow. collision repair shop. So we did that. I mean, we have no interest in collision repair. It was, a, you know, it was like a door that God opened. And uh-huh. he enabled us to, to, to buy this business. Yeah. And so now we have a really great crew and we've had the same people working for us so we can leave and go on tour and we can trust, you know, that everything is going to be run well when we get back. But, you know, the financial end of it is 
that can definitely be a struggle. And I'm very blessed that we have a business, you know, outside of mm-hmm. this. But I think um, the rejection is a big thing. But I, you know, my sister asked me once, she's like, she asked me what I found out about, I don't know, I think it was something about did a song get added at radio, and I was kind of just giving her mm-hmm. the updates of the new single. And I was kind of sharing with her some of the negative comments that you that you get, you know, because you're really just, they get songs in front of them at radio every week. Mm -hmm. And for you to rise to the top, is really a difficult thing for you to actually get radio play, especially as a female artist. Mm -hmm. And their comments sometimes are very blunt when they don't add it. They'll tell you why. And I was sharing that with her. She's like, how do you, how do you stay positive? You know, with like, and I said, honestly, we just love doing this so much and I'm going to make music regardless of how big it ever gets. And so mm-hmm. people have asked me, what's the end game? How do you, how will you know you've made it? And I'm like, there really is no way to answer that question because this is who I am. This is what I'm going mm-hmm. to do. And as much as it may get ridiculed at times, I know that I, I think it, then it comes back to my purpose and again, my relationship mm-hmm. with God, because I know what my purpose yep. is. And if you know what your purpose is, you can face all of the obstacles and the rejection. But I would say more often than not, I am told no, whether it's a booking or a radio ad or mm-hmm. a label uh, signing or, you know, whatever it may be, I'm told no way more often than I'm told yes. So I yeah. think it's just building that strength to be able to um, withstand all of the rejection. I think that's one of the biggest struggles for me. Yeah, I definitely understand that because again, you know, we, we with us chasing this crazy dream too, we're right, we're right there with you. You know, anything in music is tough, and you know, even being a host, I mean, we've got people like that we're competing with, like Bobby Bones and Ty Bentley. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, with the money, all the money behind them, and we're just this little show, and and you know, so mm-hmm. it's like, how do you compete with them? And there are many times where Sandy has to pull me off the. Off the cliff, I'm like, I'm ready to go over the cliff. I'm like, you know what? This is just too much, and I'm just yeah. ready to go over the cliff here. And and she has to bring yeah. me back to reality and say, you know what? We've we've already done so much, you know. And mm-hmm. I remember a quote from years ago that that said that um, success is a journey, not as a mm. destination. Therefore, mm-hmm. if you're on your journey, you're already successful. Yes. And. I have Absolutely. to keep that in mind that this is just a journey, and this is just a part of our journey, this show. Whether the show becomes mm-hmm. big or not, we want it to become big, but it's still a part of the journey. But we also know this ain't the ultimate vision that God gave us because, again, our right. ultimate vision is to speak on at marriage conferences and stuff like that over time and yeah. about our story because, you know, we've got – everybody that's – when we told our story, everybody has said, y'all need to write a book about all that because <laughs> our story mm. is way deeper than what we said a little bit here and um god yeah. did open up some doors in 2018 where i got to tell our marriage addiction story like seven or eight times at the end of 2018 and i actually thought okay yeah. this is it all the big doors right. are opening up then in 2019 nothing <laughs> right yeah and, I, and then, I know exactly the dynamic <laughs> you're talking about yeah I, and i mean i think um I think remembering that, you know, like Sandy said, you, you've already done so mm-hmm. much. You know, my husband and I have had that same conversation. You know, we've 
mm-hmm. we've already, you know, accomplished a lot, and we have been building on everything. And you really have to look back mm-hmm. and go, look at what we were doing, you know, four, you know, four or five years ago, and look at what we're doing now. And it's it's like mm-hmm. a graph where you're seeing the peaks and then the dips, and the, but it's a it's a gradual climb, you know, and mm-hmm. it never looks. It never unfolds exactly the way we imagined it. And I think it's important for me to not set myself up and mm-hmm. have a certain way that I've learned at this point. I can't, mm-hmm. there's no way I can know how all this is going to unfold. If you would have told yeah. me that I would be playing music and on sharing a stage with Reba and singing right in front of Quincy Jones and debuting, debuting my new single, I would have told you, okay, well, that means. I would have had to had great success, great success in radio uh-huh. charts like top Billboard stuff. I would have to have a major record label deal at that point, and I would have imagined how I would have gotten to that point. But I got to that point because I met the founder of Celebrity Fight Night in a little office in Scottsdale at a meet and greet for someone who was moving offices, and ended up singing for him. And he ended up inviting me down to sing for the homeless at St. Vincent de Paul in downtown Phoenix. Got to know him. He's a believer. He started Celebrity Fight Night with um, Mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali to raise money for Parkinson's and Alzheimer's research. Mm -hmm. We developed a relationship based on our bond. Our bond was based on loving people and helping people. And so he says, you know, I want you to debut your song at Celebrity Fight Night. So you just... Never know yeah. how things are going to unfold, Where the door and is. we have to just trust that that there's a plan that that goes beyond yeah. what we can articulate. And you're helping me out here, and this is what I love about all these conversations we've had. You're actually helping me out here because, of course, we know the vision with the marriage stuff. And sometimes I feel not my now my wife don't feel this way, but sometimes I feel like I have to pick one route. I have to either go this Chris and Sandy show route, or I have to pick. Yeah. marriage route and right. sometimes i feel like i have to pick but you're yeah. based on but you you have found a way to where you're able to still do your passion mixed with your purpose and I, that gives me yeah. hope because i know that through all this i'm not going to have to pick both or either right. i can do both right exactly and i you know our we have to our path is going to be carved out in a very unique way just like you know, our daily path and our, our, our purpose mm-hmm. is so unique to us. And we are, God is so creative and we are so individual and he has such specific gifts in each one of us that our, our path is not going to look like the person's path next to us. So uh, I think it's always important to remember that our, this, this path is built up of every little conversation mm-hmm. and every little decision and God is weaving it all together Yep. For his purpose. And, and, you know, it's funny that you say that because there ain't no way that we could ever look at anybody. As, because, we, you know, one thing that we do different in marriage is ever, I don't know anybody that really does it, especially since day one, is we've been a 24-7 couple for 17 years. We just don't <laughs> do life without each other. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, That's in, awesome. in fact, we're, we're struggling with the idea because we've never spent the night apart. And we're struggling with the idea that in – in, um, at the end of June, Sandy has to have a major surgery, which means Aww. we're going to be three nights apart. 
and oh. or two, at least two nights. I don't know if it's three days and two nights or three nights, but either way, we're going to be at least a few nights apart. And we're because we got a one year old and a eight year old. So, and then with all this coronavirus, they may not let me come see her anyway. So we may be fully apart. Right. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh. So, I bet yeah. So, it's like we ain't done that in se- I mean it's been over 17 years because again like I said we've never spent the night apart uh, I think in the whole 17 years we may have spent maybe at tops 3,000 hours of little things where sometimes I might go go and play disc golf with a couple people this was this was like five ten years ago where yeah, I did a lot yeah. of that and then um where like when her dad was alive we would go to Kentucky her mom's still alive but her dad passed away six years ago but we used to go to mm. Kentucky and we still go to Kentucky four or five times a year but we're never apart then when we go wow. so back then her her mom and her would go in town and me and her dad would then go do stuff so back so, so yeah out of that we probably spent maybe 3,000 hours total wow. away from each other <laughs> in 17 years and that's so this, special that, <clears throat> and and people thought I was crazy because I remember when I first um, – I really felt like my wife was online. I told mm. people that God told me I was supposed to meet my wife online. <laughs> people Aww. are all friends of it, over that one. And I remember <laughs> um, when I, you know, I go, I go through going through the different people and all that. And, and this whole story around that too, but the day that I met her, it was like I – because I always ask God, how, would, how do you know? How will I know? Mm. And I felt like mm-hmm. he said, you'll know. She'll, she she yeah. will stand apart. And I remember one of the um, couple questions, like one, one big deal breaker for me, and this was probably – people called me arrogant for this one. <laughs> and, but, it was, but I didn't want to play bait and switch. I, this is yeah. what, how I wanted to live marriage. One of my questions is I, before I get to know people, if and, – and I wouldn't say that this was for sure. I'd say if it was possible – would you consider a 24-7 marriage to build a legacy together? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was my deal breaker. If they said, wow. no, no way, no, nah. because, again, I knew how I wanted to live marriage. And Sandy yeah, was absolutely. like, when, when, we first, when I first chatted with Sandy, her first response was, I have never heard of that, but that would be awesome if that that's was possible. That's so great. Oh, <laughs> and my I gosh. Was like, that's that's amazing. the one. That was, I knew it. I I knew that that was the one almost that day. I mean, I think I was talking to a handful of women at that time all through the internet. Within three days, I'd untold everybody, all of them, I found who I'm going to marry. Sorry. Oh, that is so special. (laughs) I love that. You know, they said on the news this morning, they had a, I was watching the Today Show and they had a a psychologist on there helping people who were uh, submitting questions, asking for help. Mm at home being quarantined with people that they don't normally spend this much time with. And one of the questions had to do with how do you start having deep discussions when all you've really ever had is chit chat? And I was like, I was suddenly so grateful for the deep relationship that Kevin and I have, because we, Mm -hmm. we never stop having deep conversations. (laughs) Like we've always (laughs) We have, yeah. like, we converse on such a deep level about so many things, and it dawned on me that not everybody has that, and they are, they, mm. as they wow. explained it, sort of like ships passing in the night, and now they're yeah. together, and they're struggling to have that level of relationship, so it, not everybody has that. And I get that, because, see, you know, us being together all the time, a lot of people don't get it, 
and I'm like almost every day we probably have talks for now. Granted, since we had the one year old, she's 14 months old now. We've struggled here a little bit because um, of our time is a little bit more <laughs> precious now. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. You know, and all that. But but we've gotten through it still. But even but but still, we there were many days. And where we always talk three, four, five hours a day, just on deep, a deep level. And that's and that's norm to us. Yeah, yeah, yep. I totally relate to that. And I, I think people who haven't experienced that are, you know, even people who are listening to this, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Gosh, I don't know what planet you guys are on," because you know I can't have that with my partner. But it is possible. I think people are just afraid mm-hmm. of it if they haven't experienced yep. it. But, um. You know, taking a chance and being vulnerable, if that's not something mm-hmm. people are used to, now is a, is a better time than ever. Now that we are, you know, most of us are in quarantine together and staying at home. And it is a really mm-hmm. good opportunity to really listen to, to each get other. To know each and, other. Yes, absolutely. And just breathe and to not be afraid to kind of put feelings out there or ideas that maybe you hadn't had the chance to before. So, Mm-hmm. Um, I think hopefully uh, some people are finding that more now. If there's any kind of silver yeah. lining, you know, coming out of this, I hope that that's happening for people for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great place for a quick commercial break, and then we're going to play your, your song, Night Like This, and then we're going to talk about that. Okay. How does that sound? Sounds great. Just hang on there. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. Everybody's coming from miles around Country boys 
With a with a, a small situation there by back now. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, that happens with its wife. Yep. Oh, I understand that. That's awesome. <laughs> so, tell us the story behind that song. I wrote that song with Greg Crow, and he's gosh, what a cool guy. He's written so many hits. I remember the co-write was set up. Um, by my PR team and Mm -hmm. Greg's got a great little place in East Nashville and I remember meeting him he's the kind of guy he just seems like he he's got kind of a Kenny Chesney vibe where he just it's like the beach and he's just a cool cat and he's just been in the industry for a while and he's you meet him and you feel like you've known him forever. And he's got this great, he calls it the crow's nest. It's the loft of, you know, on the second story of his house. And I remember walking up those steps and looking at those, you know, on the walls and seeing like the gold records and seeing all these different things in this room with these amazing old instruments and guitars that have such great stories. And it was great meeting him. And we sat down that day and his daughter, uh, I think she was like five at the time. She was kind of, hanging out with us and I got to know her and she was so sweet. She kept coming over and sitting on my lap and Kevin was there and we were just having so much fun. The sun was coming in that beautiful window and we just wanted to write something that captures that feeling. You know, I love that Mm -hmm. feeling when the weather is just right and the sun is just starting to set. And as a fan, you get that anticipation, you know, you bought those tickets and you've been waiting to go and maybe some of your friends are going to be there. And if they're not, you're probably going to make friends with people who are there. 
And there's just this mm-hmm. camaraderie. And I think especially right now we're mm-hmm. all missing that. We, we really took that for yeah. granted, being able to all get in one place and experience <laughs> yeah. a show together. So we just wanted to write something that captured that vibe. And we wanted something, too, that my band could just jam on for a while, which when we play that live, yeah. you know, they rock it. So it's um, it's a lot of fun. We always get yeah, a really yeah. good crowd response from that one. That is awesome. So as you know, when fans see you, they see you, but they don't see your PR company. They don't see your manager. They don't see the people that help you do what you need to do. Because without yeah. them, you can't do what you can't do what you do. So tell us that a little bit true. about your team that's around you, so that give people an idea of who they are. Oh man! Well, I always say it takes a village. You know, it's like you're right. They <laughs> see me or they hear a song, and you know, I may have been a writer on it, but I usually am not the only writer on it. So. Mm-hmm. I've got amazing co-writers mm-hmm. um, and we'll get in a room and sometimes we're just meeting for the first time or, you know, we've gotten to know each other over the years and we come into a room, we all bring our ideas together. And these songwriters who've been doing this longer than I have really have a way of bringing out the best in me as a songwriter and as an artist. So I think for the, for the music to get from point A to point B, it starts in some little room somewhere with a bunch of ideas, you know? And so mm-hmm. they're, my co-writers are a very important part of what I do. And then, of course, it moves from there into production. So Ruckus Room is where I've tracked all of my my songs um, out in Nashville. And Jamie Tate is the owner and the engineer, and he's helped produce everything that I've put out. So he's always bringing in the top players. And so I've had amazing musicians on every recording. And so, it, you know, the songs grow up from being in that little room mm-hmm. with one guitar and they kind of take on a life of their own, and everyone chimes in with their part and really helps each song to become what it was meant to be. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've got my PR team, uh, you know, Anna and Dawn and Kerrigan and so many people at, at Core PR who set up interviews like these and introduce me to different people in the industry and um, really make the most out of my radio tours. I've got radio promoter who has been Alan Young on the last few singles. And, you know, these are the people who are calling um, radio stations and reminding them yeah. that I've got a new single out and to mm-hmm. listen to it and, and add it oh, to wow. their playlist. And, you know, they're, they're fighting for my spot in radio every week. And, um, and, you know, and then I've got some really good friends who are out at shows with me and they're running merch and they're setting up meet and greets. So I can, you know, get to know the fans and sign things. And they're organizing all of that for me. And, you know, I've got my band. My husband plays bass, but the rest of the guys in my band are like, they're my band family. And they're <laughs> yeah. amazingly talented and they put the time in. And we have rehearsals um, usually every week. And um, everybody's honing their own craft so that when we go out there, these shows are everything they can be. I've got an amazing audio engineer, Chris White, who literally is so passionate about making us sound mm-hmm. the best we can. And so he's always finding out like what, what is the best gear we can use. And he's just, he's so passionate about that. I've got a mm-hmm. great graphic designer, Corey Miller, who has really helped me to uh, represent, you know, in my merch and in my logos and all of that, you know, he's really great at capturing who I am as an artist from the Southwest. So he's helped me really represent yeah. Arizona in that. Um, 
we've got people helping with booking. Um, we've got, there are so many aspects of this. I've got a really great friend mm-hmm. who has helped me a lot with developing my social media presence along with core PR, um, mm-hmm. make, making graphics and um, helping to give fans behind the scenes footage on my Instagram story at shows or, you know, helping me run contests to uh, be able to give things away to fans and promote different events and, I mean, there are so many nonprofit organizations that I've worked with also Mm. who have given me the opportunity to, you know, as I said earlier on, have this be about way Mm. more than entertainment. So we, you know, I worked with the Scott Foundation and the Red Note Foundation Mm -hmm. and um, Celebrity Fight Night and St. Vincent de Paul. And um, I've just, it really takes such a large team and everyone's so passionate about their specific um, task, you know, and they're very talented. So. Mm -hmm. Very grateful. That is really, <laughs> that is really awesome. And you talked a lot about family, and we're a family show, so we always let our little eight-year-old ask one question. So he's about to come on here. <laughs> oh, nice! That's awesome. Very cool. What's his name? <clears throat> his name's Christopher. And, and when oh. Caitlin gets old enough, we'll probably plug her in too. <laughs> nice. Yep. That's awesome. Here he is. Here's Christopher. Hi, Terry. What's your favorite food? Oh, my favorite food. Oh, that's a great question. That's a hard one for me to answer because I really love cooking and I really love food. So (laughs) I think probably at the end of the day, if you were probably tacos, I think Mexican food is my favorite. I'm from the Southwest. I'm from Arizona. So we have a lot of really great Mexican food. So I love tacos and enchiladas and chimichangas and salsa. I really love spicy food. (laughs) <laughs> and what's yours, little Chris? A pizza. Oh my gosh, pizza! I, you know what? I was gonna say I don't know if I could decide between pizza and Mexican food because I think <laughs> pizza is good any time of day, isn't it? I mean, I could have pizza first yep. thing in the morning. Okay, bye. That, that's him. <laughs> bye, Christopher. Yep, he, thank you. <laughs> that, that, that's him. He, he can have it <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner too. Oh yeah, anytime. Pizza oh, is yeah. always good. For sure. <laughs> But yeah, he comes and goes. Yeah. He, he goes as quick as he comes. That's so cute. Yeah, okay, they bye. love to do it. <laughs> I love that. You, you know what's funny though is like when we drop him off at church in the in the kids ministry, um, and he's always done this ever since he's been like two years old or something. Um, we drop him off. He won't even look back. He just goes in. Aww. Mommy and daddy don't exist now. <laughs> oh yeah, so he's, cute. he's a little social dog. Dog. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> so Love if you it. could co-write with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and what would you want to write about? Oh, man, I have an, a very quick answer for that because I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of Natalie Hemby, um, who is oh, well. she's actually in The High Women, but she has been writing mm-hmm. for much longer than she's been uh, like part of a group on a big stage. Um, but she mm-hmm. is the writer and co-writer behind some of the biggest songs on, on radio and, um, and online. And specifically she's written for Miranda Lambert, um, little big town. She's just, she is an amazing writer. And what would I want to write about? I think she has a great way of capturing, um, places. Um, she's got a song called Cairo, Illinois and the visuals that she paints, I would really love to write a heartfelt um, story about a special place with her because oh, wow. she's so good at that. And 
places inspire me so much. So I think that would be my answer. I would love to see what would come yeah. out of that. So of all the songs you've written, <clears throat> what's the one that means the most to you and why? Hmm. Well, uh, gosh, I two songs come to mind because it's it's for different reasons. So yeah. Night Riding, um, I loved writing that song with Kaylee North um, because it really captures a feeling so well. I think out mm-hmm. of everything I've written so for, so far that a lot of people have said that song like makes me really feel something and I don't even really know how to describe it. So it evokes a lot mm-hmm. of emotion. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that one for that reason, but there's a song that I wrote back in, I think it was 2014 or 2015 uh, called Family mm-hmm. Gathering. And cool. that song was released right around the holidays. And like I said, I come from a big family. And that song never, it didn't chart. It wasn't like a big hit or anything. But mm-hmm. it really paints a picture of what it's like to get together with <laughs> a lot of your relatives. And it started yeah. out sort of tongue-in-cheek and sort of a joke about how it can <laughs> be really crazy and how Maybe sometimes you're a little bit nervous about showing up because you might see so-and-so or maybe you had an unresolved conflict with someone and you're not sure if that subject is going to come up or, you know, yeah. or whatever it is, right? You know, so I, we are big on food in our family and my grandparents were raised in Poland and so we eat a lot of Polish foods and I, I always bring mm-hmm. potato salad to the family get-together. So the first line in the song is show up with, pota- with potato salad and you know how you, you walk in and you sort of a, you assess the space, like, oh, so-and-so's here, that one's here, so-and-so's late again, you know, or whatever it is. You know, we all have our family quirks. But as I started yeah. writing the song, it really developed into um, being at a place of gratitude for your community, whether it's family or friends. If you have people, that's really such a blessing, and we just don't know how much time we have with everybody. And so – the song yep. ended up turning into something more than I had planned, and it always kind of gets me wow. choked up even when I hear it still. <laughs> that's that's God working, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm about to ask a question, and I'm asking it in a certain way for a reason. I'll tell you why right after I ask the question, because I have a purpose for this particular question. Okay. If you had a magic wand and what you were about to say would for sure come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I'm kind of asking it that way is this past February, we asked that same question five years ago to Kelsey Ballerini. And her exact oh. answer that she gave us back then is pretty much to the T of what she's living now. So it was, it was really cool to see her blossom from what, when oh. we interviewed her where nobody knew who she was to where she is now. And it, so I like to bring up that little story because I want artists to say, you know what? I don't want to give the the humble answer. I want the real answer, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so Absolutely. I always like to um, like, so I always like to bring up that story to say, you know, th- this is possible. Five years is a long time in the music industry. Sure. You know, a yeah. lot can happen for that can explode. Um, so sure. where do you want to be in five years if all bets were off? So in five years, I would like to be in a place where I've had enough traction in radio that people 
are waiting for the next song to come out, and it and songs are charting to the point where we're playing much bigger stages to the point where we are financially at a point where we no longer have to have the collision repair shop, and we are mm-hmm. we are we are living on a ranch somewhere where different family members can come and we can travel and we can have all of the people that we love closest to us or at least we can mm-hmm. travel to see them whenever we want because we are financially able to do that. And with that being said, I would have developed my own nonprofit organizations so that I can specifically fund causes that I care about and that I have enough of a platform where people will listen to that and action can awesome. I can put more action to my intention. That is awesome. Let's say you had a friend of yours and let's say that um you heard them sing and they're pretty good. They got some, you can just tell there's something special about them. And now this mm-hmm. would be pre-covid advice of course. Um and let's yeah. say that they've played t- they played 10 or 20 shows so far. But they mm-hmm. got on that stage, they've looked over the crowd. And they got that stage bug, that music bug that every artist gets, where they just know. They just know this is what they're supposed to do. So they come to you, and they tell you, and they say, Sherry, I feel like I'm supposed to do this for the rest of my life. What advice would you give that person to help guide them the next two, three, four years? Well, I would first, I would tell them, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying um, earlier with the other artists that you interviewed, know at that point that it is going to be a ton of work and be ready to withstand the rejection. Understand that you're going to get no's, that you're going you're gonna to hit a lot of obstacles, but you do not give up because I know mm-hmm. I have asked myself, standing side stage and watching someone like Winona or Reba and I'm backstage and I'm seeing them out there and I'm asking myself, what's the difference between what they're doing and the longevity that they have mm-hmm. and what I'm doing now and how can I be yeah. where they are? You know, what got them there? And yeah. of course the talent, you know, and that passion, knowing what you're meant to do. And then honestly, that work ethic, they didn't give up. They didn't stop. So just, you you have to have, once you decide that that's what you're doing, that's what you're doing, and you don't give up, and you you be you, and you don't try to be somebody else, and you be honest about who you are, and you don't constantly compare yourself against everyone else, and you carve your own niche, and you let it unfold the way it's gonna unfold. I love the last part of that, especially because um, when we first started this show. I reached out to a friend of mine in Nashville and asked him, what advice would he give us as we grow this show? And he said, the only advice I'd give you is be authentic. He said, because mm-hmm. he said, let's say that you can tell Bobby Bones jokes and you can tell Ty Bentley jokes. He says, let's pretend you actually do a pretty good job with it. And you create, yeah. a fa- and you create an audience. He says, the day's yeah. going to come to where authentic Chris comes out. He says, there's, there's no way you can hide that for too long. But when right. that day comes, you're going to lose every bit of your audience because they weren't. They were never attracted to authentic Chris. They were attracted right. to fake Chris. So if you're authentic right. from the beginning, the right audience. He says you may grow slower, but the right audience will come. Yeah, that's so important because to be perfectly honest, when I first started in country music, I wasn't true to myself. I, you know, mm. I'm not. 
and I mean that in the sense of just I was trying to figure out what people liked, and I, you yeah. know, when you're a when you're a country artist or any musician who's playing shows before you actually start releasing your own music, you're usually playing a lot of shows of cover yeah. songs, you know, people, you know, bars have you in or festivals and they want recognizable music. So if you haven't made a name for yourself, they want a lot of other people's music. So mm. it's very tempting and very easy to try to, you know, emulate these, these covers that you've been doing and try to work yeah. that into what your own mm-hmm. creations are. But um, I'm just glad that I have been figuring out more and more as time has gone on That's who awesome. I truly am meant to be. So I agree with you. The sooner you can get past that initial, those initial questions of who am I and really just commit to that, the sooner the better, mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. As we get through our last question, and I could talk all day long, especially when you start talking about God. I can talk all day long. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I can go hours. Yeah. Yes. And Sandy, I agree <laughs> with that one. Uh, oh, yes. Um, <laughs> but um, as we get to the la- and a funny story behind that, you know, for year, for 17 years of our marriage, when Sandy and I would be out and about, I would um, in a, and I'm not talking about with friends. We're talking, we'd run into strangers on the street, and yeah. and she would know. She'd almost roll her eyes sometimes because she would know it's we're 60 minutes in. It's going to be, you know, once she sees that mm-hmm. conversation going to a deep level, she knows yeah. it's over. We're there. We're there. Yeah. 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes, and I've done right. that for thousands of times through our 17 yeah. years. So I'm guessing yeah. we have no idea, but that kind of prepared me for this show because we go 60, 65 minutes on this show on average. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so it kind of prepared me, just didn't know. But as we get to the end here, and what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? Mm. Well, that's a good question right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Gosh, you guys are really great at interviewing, and I love that you guys have gone taken everything to a deeper level. Um, mm-hmm. I think we'd love to hear that. Probably we do love to hear that. how I think I, I have been asked this question before, but you know, how can fans help you as an artist? Mm-hmm. You know, because there are conversations about streaming and downloading and. <laughs> Uh, you know, merch and all these different ways mm-hmm. that uh, artists are affected mm-hmm. as far as like the financial practical aspect of whether or not yeah. we're able to be successful. I think, you know, uh, it, asking how fans can help. And my answer to that is, you know, mm-hmm. you know, come to shows, buy the T-shirt, um, you know, when you can download the music, download it and buy it. If you're streaming it, that's great too, but share it, you know, share it on your social media platforms, tell people Mm -hmm. Um, it's very, it can be a very challenging thing to rise to the surface because there's just a sea of so many talented people. And um, these days it is harder and harder to make money in music. If you're not in that Mm -hmm. top 5% of what you're hearing on radio. Um, So I think supporting local artists, supporting artists on the rise by sharing uh, their music and telling your friends and buying the merch and uh, tipping if it's a show that you went to and or somebody's just playing at a restaurant or a bar, um, chances mm-hmm. are they're not getting paid very much to play there. So, you know, throw yeah. that extra few dollars in the tip jar and find ways to support artists on the rise so that they don't have to give up on their dream. That is really awesome advice. 
So uh, self-promotion yeah. time. Tell everybody how they can reach out to you. Well, I have my website, so SherryRowe.com, um, and everybody always asks me to spell it, so S-H-A-R-I-R-O-W-E. Um, that is the best home base to find links to everything, but anywhere fans are used to streaming music, whether that's Spotify or Apple Music, Google Play, um, anywhere fans are used to streaming and downloading, they can find all of the songs. I love interacting with fans on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and all of those links, as I said, are, are you know, easy to find, but um, I'm always trying to connect with everybody, and that I I still run all of those, and so I, you're actually hearing from me, you know, when I respond. So <laughs> let's connect with everybody. That is awesome. We really enjoyed having you on yes. today. We Thank did. Thank you so much for having me on. You guys are awesome, and I I fully support everything you guys are doing, and. You know, you're very easy to talk to, and I love that it was just such meaningful conversation, and I'll be praying for you guys as you move forward. Well, we definitely oh, we appreciate, appreciate that, that and we so look, much. And we look forward to having you back uh, on the show when you've got some updates down the road. We Thank do. you so much. I appreciate it. God bless you guys. Uh, you bless you, oh, too. Same to you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Hope you really enjoyed the show today. Um we never know where the show's going to go, but it excites me every time. Um, but anyway, we've got another one coming at you tomorrow, so we'll see you at 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow.